Welcome to Disc Jockey News TV. I'm your host, DJ Mad Mike, where I interview recording artists, comedians, actors, and fellow DJs, anyone that's making a difference in the entertainment community. Please click the little bell for notifications, hit the subscribe and like button to see when we got new interviews coming up each and every month. Stay tuned. On to the next interview. Good morning. Good morning. My, my name is Mike. Um, I'm with uh, what's called Disc Jockey News TV. So we primarily, yeah, you know, thanks, was the disc jockey community, but we're the guys that are out playing your music all over the world. So it's a great chance. We're appreciated. Yeah, great chance to talk to you guys, learn about your band, your history, your new music, and get it out to, you know, everyone in the DJ and music community so they can uh, play your stuff, man. Sounds great. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. So, so welcome to Disc Jockey News TV. And uh, here we go. I'm joined by Aaron, Ryan, and Nathan today from the band Brothers. And you guys, are you still from Toronto? Have you We're still here? from, yeah, from actually <laughs> Hamilton near Toronto, yeah. In, Hamilton in, near Toronto. I, I, I've been to Toronto. Yeah. Beautiful city. Yeah, it's a great city. So you guys grew up on a Christmas tree farm? <laughs> we did, yeah. We were... Our uh, family ran uh, a tree farm for a long time. That was like our summer job, pruning and making money to buy instruments. And uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, we love trees now. <laughs> I love trees. <laughs> Is Christmas still a big holiday in your family? Yeah, yeah I is. mean, yeah, we like yeah. Christmas, sure. Yeah, and horrible <laughs> memories about the trees, though. <laughs> I don't know if we all love the trees that much anymore. We always had a free Christmas tree, so that's yeah. that's good. That's, that's a but what, what is your worst memory of trees? <laughs> worst of bees, <laughs> yeah. Worst experience with the trees. <laughs> yeah, the bees in the trees were probably the worst. Yeah, the heat the bees. Yeah. The heat and the bees. There used to be massive, massive bees nests that would like just encompass the whole bottom of a tree, and you'd have to like run a mile to get away from them. So oh. that was that was the worst. <laughs> We're probably scarred for life with bees. We don't. <laughs> but yeah, it was tough. I mean, it's, I remember it took like two summers, two full summers of wages to make enough to buy one of the keyboards we have and it was just like just it just was painful in general yeah it's stung to make that purchase right <laughs> yeah. yeah okay you're the only one who got that joke sorry <laughs> <laughs> It's a dad joke. Huh? <laughs> I know it's a dad joke. I, I I have four kids and a grandson. I have I, that's all I have left in my life is dad jokes. Oh, then, then it's legitimate for you. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, so you guys started out collectively taking piano lessons at the age of five. All three of you. Well, yeah, uh, two years apart. Two, yeah, 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 yeah. Our, yeah. our so parents. My mom started out with our piano. Mom used to, yeah. yeah, yeah. Our mom used to do piano to try to motivate us to do it, and um, yeah, we all started when we were like five in Royal Conservatory and did that for yeah at least ten to fifteen years, and it kind of helped develop our love for music. And we would write songs like on our own each year on the piano. It was one of the exercises that that our parents made us do with a teacher and. Yeah, no, so, it, I mean, it really did, 
um, get us involved with music from an early age, for sure. When did you start branching out and playing different instruments? Um, I bought I bought my first guitar when I was 12 and started playing, like learning and teaching myself how to play guitar by ear, just with the piano background that we had. And and then we uh, we we got a keyboard and got a keyboard and then we drums bought a drum set. I was thirteen when we got the drum yeah. set and no one knew how to play it, so I could do the first drum roll and I so, got the job. So Nate got the job. Yeah. <laughs> right, that was going to be my my next question is how did you decide who was going to play which instrument in the band? Well, originally Ryan really loved drums and he like made drums out of cardboard when we were kids and stuff. But we got the drum set and he just didn't. Yeah, first practice, we I literally sat on him and all the hype over the years of dreaming about the real drum set, I literally disappeared within one practice. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. <laughs> and then I love my cardboard drums more and yeah. just the anticipation the real set and then yeah i had it and then then yeah literally the next day nate sat on the kit and yeah he could do a drum roll and we were happy with that and i was happy to be on the keyboard so it's really strange but just kind of fell into it yeah how old were you when you had your first you know gig playing out as a band I mean, officially we were young we were too young to play in so clubs we rented out like different like a little hall like a community center or anything like that so we could play for yeah. friends and and yeah it's Nate, family Nate was like 13 14 yeah. we, we couldn't play any club, like yeah any uh, proper places so we kind of put on our own shows yeah did outside stuff but some inside but that, that was uh, for a good few years we were doing that so when you actually started playing out in nightclubs and bars and other places, did you stick with the Toronto music scene or did you kind of move around the area? We started locally in Toronto and the surrounding area. And then, um, and then we started booking shows in the U S and trying to figure out how to get there. Yeah. And <laughs> right. We would just rent a van and, and yeah. start driving and we would book our own shows and we'd play across the country until slowly you get like people see you or you play we entered different like festivals or or contests and stuff and then we 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 got a manager or something and then slowly uh, things kind of just snowball and piece by piece you you kind of get yeah, it was a lot of building yeah building like, well, I, I, that's right. I think a lot of people don't appreciate the grind and the work that goes into getting to the point where you you achieve success. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a ton of work. And I mean, at the beginning, you're playing, you you show up in in these clubs in different cities, and there's like two people in the back having a conversation and not even paying attention to you. Like, it's really you have to. It takes like 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. yeah. You have to really have to <laughs> That is a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years to become an overnight success. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> uh, so what, what, what were some of the bands that were your early influences? 
when you started to develop your own style and find out who you were as a band, what was your back like? Who were you listening to prior to that? Well, our parents had a lot of like re- classic records and stuff, and so we we listened to like Traveling Wilburys, Beach Boys, the Beatles, yeah, the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, even like Pet Shop Boys and stuff like that. We had like a whole mix of music that we would listen to. So at an early age, yeah, we were we were listening to our parents' vinyls and stuff like that, and. U2 was a big influence too when we got into our teens and stuff. So. Yeah, U2 and Bowie and yeah, yeah. right. Well, and and I read that I listened to some of your other interviews that you did where you were talking about you know being on tour with U2 and how you you got the drumsticks from uh, from um, uh, Adam Clayton and uh, uh, Larry Mullen. I mean uh, Larry Mullen, sorry, from Larry yeah. Mullen. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's moving a little too fast. Hey, yeah, you got the drumsticks from Larry Mullins. Drumsticks. a bass player with drumsticks. Yeah, that would be that would actually be something very interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> you got Larry's uh, drumsticks, and you guys are actually hanging out with Bono in a club one night, right, over in Europe. Yeah, kind of how how the brothers EDM stuff started was. Yeah, we were we were talking about with Bono how. In the we're in a nightclub and we're just saying like if if someone could take this this EDM sound and the energy and kind of mix it with like a, a rock undertone or with the lyrical content yeah melody, melody of rock and you mash it together and the live aspect too of of yeah. performing it maybe live as well as an EDM band I mean that would be something really special so we kind of took that conversation seriously and and we came back to the studio and then we started kind of messing around yeah. with that idea in mind and that's kind of what what started the entire brothers sound that we have right now i was going to say if, if you go back um you know to, to some of your earlier music you know, like to wide awake you know it definitely has more of a rock yeah. sound and then, and then coming forward to the new one, the walls, you you know, you have that full EDM, you know, club sound mixed with the rock vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty different. Yeah, when you when you play them back to back, or yeah, yeah, go back to some of the old stuff, some of the really old stuff that we haven't released, we don't even listen to anymore because you don't you don't want to go back that far. You think it's horrible, but. <laughs> I think it's horrible. But you have a song called Used to Be Easy. Do you find it easier yeah. now to write and create music? Or was it easier, you know, 10 years ago when you when you were starting out? Um Silence. I mean it it depends. Some songs <laughs> some songs come easy and some don't. I mean, I think it's 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 the same as it was before. I mean some of them will will write on the spot and um we play it out you like play it the first out. time yeah is like written in one shot and some of them take a lot more time and are a little more you're recording sessions each day and listening back to them and trying stuff and and they become a little more uh work but i i don't think there's a real formula to the songwriting it's uh, for us we we usually just come up with the melodies and the 
stuff on the spot in like a it's 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 hard to explain it just kind of comes to you it's really organic we're yeah. all in the same room at the same time and we're just playing and yeah. uh, i mean maybe maybe it's a definite advantage that we're brothers and we're on the same same wavelength so we can kind of feed off of each other and we know where each other is kind of going to go and and then we just develop a song sometimes very quickly because we have that connection i think if you talk to any songwriter they just they don't really know where it comes from it's like this weird gift you just get <laughs> given and it, you just play it out sometimes it's just a really unexplainable thing right well, well that, i was very interested in your process do you tend to come up with melodies first lyrics later or lyrics yeah. first, melodies but, you know what's kind of your process yeah I know. We do melodies first, for sure, and usually it's a lot of mumbling and no, and just a bunch of made-up words and words that don't make sense together. And then, uh, yeah, you just work it through that way. But words are always kind of second. Sometimes we sometimes get they come at the same time, but it's mainly melodies, though. That are, um, who does most of the lyrical writing? Who composes most of the lyrics? Is it kind of equal, or is Someone just kind of one of you guys a little bit better at the lyric end of it. No, Aaron's the poet, so I mean he comes up with most of them. Or, and then Ryan and Nate edit them. Yeah, <laughs> and change half of them. You change half of them. <laughs> but but sometimes like like we'll sing something and you get the lyric while we came up with the melody. Like like I might sing something and and hear something or i might hear what i think aaron's saying but he's not actually saying it yeah and i'll we'll write it down or or he'll hear me saying something that i'm not actually saying in the melody but uh, sometimes you get certain key phrases like that or or phrases that make the song so how, how many times do you, you know I, I heard you say that you know some songs they just come very natural and you get them all down in the studio maybe in a session or two, are, are there certain songs that you just, you, you didn't want to let go of, you felt that was a, a good song there, it just took you a long time to get to that point? You mean, yeah, like, for sure. You, just kept, you kept working on for months before you finally got it where you wanted it? Yeah, yeah. the problem is, if you do leave some songs or parts of songs that are sitting too long, then they just become these parts that you might draw from eventually, but the longer the time goes, the more dangerous it is. It's better to, yeah, I mean, it, it does. I mean, you can always in a year take a melody you really loved and make a song out of it, but you lose the inspiration. It's a little yeah. harder to do that. You want to do it as fresh as possible, yeah. but good within, I, there, there is an expiry on it usually. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a so solid before date. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I'm, if you don't have a solid chorus, yeah, in the first week or something, then you probably are trying too hard, you know. It's, it's right. Well, I just imagine you guys pr probably have a box of unfinished songs that you started on, and oh. you got to get to a point, and then at some point, you know, like you were saying, maybe you're going to go back, pull it out, and go. Now I know how to finish this. Yeah, we have hard drives full of parts <laughs> and pieces and. Yeah, like like we record every time we're writing. We have just a recorder. Ryan will hit 
as we're just fooling around on with anything. And um, yeah, so there's pieces of parts and you hear, if you go back to the tapes, you can hear tapes. I sound like I'm <laughs> an old person. It's not a tape, it's on a hard drive. But if you go back to them and listen, um, you can hear songs being created and stuff. It's really kind of cool when you hear. Right. When we hear the, fun, you know what the final song is and you hear how we've, created it it's it's pretty neat to listen back to it sometimes too so, so when you decided to to change your sound right and start blending the edm with the rock sound i mean how long did you have to practice and write to actually get the sound of, of who you were going to be or who you are now it didn't take actually too long because um we we're still on the same instruments. We just kind of modified the drum situation, Nate's drum situation. So he doesn't have a full kit anymore, although he still has it. And we do like rock pretty hard sometimes when we want to, but for the EDM stuff, um, Nate has like a, the kick drum and then a mount, and then he has the electronic drum pad mounted to the kick drum. So he kind of has that, I think it, we usually yeah. write it still. And like, we still write. We still write it uh, very similar to yeah. to how we did how we do the rock stuff. So it, did, it actually didn't take that long. We just kind of added a heavier beat behind mm -hmm. our our originals. I think what probably took longer is taking because a lot of the EDM stuff you can do. Um, when production and and we get the tracks down but you produce a lot of the edm stuff on the computer and the some of the sounds through playing overdubs and stuff in the studio it's more the time takes transferring it live and actually playing it live that that takes a little more time probably when we're getting ready for a tour or whatever and we have to make it sound like like the record so because our big thing is that we want to we want to play the edm stuff a hundred percent live so right it's it's really tricky to to try to mimic the sound that we get in the studio um yeah so we can play it live oh yeah it's got to be a lot different than than playing you know rock-based music uh live you know playing edm live yeah, yeah. Um, for me, the adjustment uh, on the drums was especially difficult because I stand up for the EDM stuff to play the drums. Right. So um, I, my left foot, my left leg has had a cramp for like the first week because I'm using it to hold myself up while I'm while I'm doing kick drum and and standing doing the electronic stuff. So yeah, it takes a it takes a bit to... Well, now you know how me and Aaron's been standing for years. <laughs> yeah. a little baby. He finally gets to stand and realizes <laughs> what we've been through. So. Now you know how it feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what they're were you telling me? They're not really physically working, though. <laughs> Who are some of your EDM influences in, in developing your sound? I know you went back, you know, for the Beatles and Bowie and, and other bands uh, earlier were your influences. Who are some of your influences now? I mean, there's there's a lot of great stuff out there. Um, 
Daft Punk has always been a really interesting mix between mm-hmm. the two worlds. But um, yeah, I mean, they're like a they're like a big a big one for us. Um, Pet Shop Boys has that that EDM sound kind of that electronic stuff that we've always really liked. Um, it's not as heavy EDM, but no. it, it is. It's, right. They're great songs. But I mean, there's, yeah, there's a ton of great music. There's out always there. like a couple pretty good songs that come out every year that are, yeah. that stand out from some of the others in the clubs. In and the stuff, clubs, so. yeah. It's, yeah. I mean. So who would you guys most like to tour with now? Yeah, I mean, I've seen your list. You tour with Stone Temple Pilots and Bono and all these other amazing yeah. bands. Uh, when you guys go on tour, who, who could you see yourself, you know, turn across the world with these days? I mean, it'd be cool to do something with Dead Mouse or or some of those those EDM greats that that uh, you know really electrify the crowd when you're when you're in those rooms with them. I mean, yeah, there's there's some great great people like that. That would be great. I mean, it's it's hard to make a wish list like that. Hey, put it out to the universe, and uh, you know, hopefully, the universe will send it back. <laughs> yeah, in, right. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. So you never know. Dead Mouse could be watching this interview. Hopefully, that would be cool, and they'd see it. They go, "I'm going to call those guys." Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, he lives like he lives like ten minutes from us. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> you guys should just bring him a pizza and a six pack and say, "Hey, we should go on tour." Yeah, yeah I know. We just don't know him yet, so he just think it's creepy. <laughs> uh, so, looking towards the future of music, I mean, you can see the music charts are all over the place. A lot of people would say that you know, rock and roll is technically dead. You know, it, it's hip hop, it's rap, it's everything. And then, you know, you have EDM, industrial techno on that edge of the spectrum, too. Do you see this mm-hmm. as kind of hopefully the future of where music's going to go? That that bringing rock back and mixing it with EDM will kind of revitalize that genre? I, 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 yeah, I, I really think that uh, rock isn't dead. I think it's, t- it's in a bit of a lull right now. Um, but I think, I think everything kind of ebbs and flows and, and I, I think that maybe people are starting to realize the value in real organic and, and, um, like just organic music and, and talent-based music where they want something real. And I mean, you'd like to in that way, I think, yeah, in in that way, I think um, rock will eventually come back. And if this is this is kind of a mashup that that kind of promotes that, then that's great, too. And if this is the way rock is going to be, I don't think it'll totally be like that. But there's a million different genres of music, really. Um, You can do anything. There are no rules. It'd be nice to think that you're leading the way, but <laughs> I mean, I can't, yeah. you can't be naive to think that we're the only ones doing this. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing to try to to push music all the time, and I think people do do that. So yeah, it's just you know, once again, you know, I've been a professional DJ for over 25 years. You know, thousands of events and private events and. Yeah. 
you know, that's the community I'm in. So, you know, this is what we do every week. We go through all the music charts and what we look for are songs and, and music that will inspire, that will move the crowd. You know, just like when you're at a concert and yeah. you know, the last decade or so, it's been this repetition of auto-tune and mumble rap and other things that this hasn't yeah. been a whole lot of music like what you're doing where, you know, you can play it and it just makes you feel good and want to jam. You know, every yeah, couple yeah. of months oh, you get one of what we call a banger, you know, a good tune that yeah. you just know you can play and it's going to be around forever and people are going to rock out and love it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, is that what you, that's what you guys are trying to do, right? Trying to create what? music yeah. like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you when you're when we're in the club and we're playing it live and stuff, you realize, yeah, like it it really does get you moving, even if you just can't help it, right? Like it's it's really fun to take to take on tour and, and play that stuff. I mean, it's been a really, really fun uh translating it live and and it's yeah, different than what we used to do with rock and it's and it's a different crowd, but it's it's yeah, it's it's a lot of. But when it, when I mean when a song is good and it sends shivers down our spine, that we know it's it's going to be good. <laughs> you, you can just feel it, right? You can feel yeah. it, yeah, yeah. So, do you find it more fun to play out live now than than when you were you know uh, you know going back five eight years ago? It's definitely less work. <laughs> we're, we don't carry a piano around with us anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, the instruments are a lot smaller, yeah. uh, more compact, less drums. There's no piano. We used to tour with, with the rock stuff. We had a piano. And <laughs> so uh, I'm sure yeah. you guys have no, roadies, though, right? You have roadies? Yeah, yeah, usually. But I mean, for the for a long time, we didn't. I mean, oh, yeah, was, yeah we did carry <laughs> piano. <laughs> No, but it is it is fun. It's a different experience in the it, it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's different though. It's definitely different for sure. Do you put as much thought into the instruments or type of instruments uh, you purchase as you do into creating the songs? You know, there's certain brands of guitars or keyboards or drums that you prefer over other ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. We have our preferences. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah like we you guys uh, are, oh, go ahead. recording yeah. with recording. We we prefer certain preamps and stuff like that too. Like I mean, there's a certain mic that Aaron will only use and um, certain keyboards and and stuff for sure. Yeah. What what, what is your favorite key to play in? Um, we, we kind of, you guys are, that's your department. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> a lot of songs are in D or A, um, but it's, mean, it's kind of random though. When yeah. We're starting to hit a couple notes to start a song. It, it's whatever key inspires you really. Yeah, we don't like to, and, to have following yeah. formula. And then usually everyone adapts to that key. The range of singing, everything go is based on that original key. We really don't modify the key after the song is made. I think we've only done it once or twice where we've maybe tried adjusting it a just little bit. Not it thing, just yeah. really screws up our head. We find when the key change happens, it really changes a lot. So um, yeah, we've never really 
can only sing falsetto so high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Aaron, you know, how is that on your vocals? You, do you ever find you're putting a stress on your vocals or you just, you know, try and stay within your range? Sometimes, but um, I, I find it also kind of inspires different ways of singing. So if, if the key is, let's say, in D and we want to go, we want to go a little bit higher to create a bit of a lift then Nate and I will start singing it in falsetto and it has a different element um, mm -hmm. to the music where you're not kind of pigeonholed to stay into just your full singing voice range you can move outside of that or and sometimes and, good to push it yeah it, yeah it kind of it kind of inspires different ideas so what are your thoughts on autotune <laughs> Oh, I hate the sound of it. <laughs> you are not alone. I mean, it works for it works for some people, I guess, but we don't we don't use it very often at all. Like, especially unless it's like an effect, really. Yeah, we use it more like an effect. Yeah. It, we don't rely on it. Mm -hmm. DJs hate auto tune, so we're right there with you. Yeah, <laughs> we, we like you, you know going back to the word you use, natural, organic. Full range. Yeah, yeah. We love stuff that has that sound. You know, it's funny how your how your ear changes, though, because uh, when Cher came out with Believe and it was used as an effect, that it was so obvious that it was auto-tuned and it was, it was used as an effect. Now, when you listen to that song, our ears have become accustomed, so accustomed to auto-tune and, and producers are using it like more aggressively than than Cher did. Oh, when yeah. you listen to Believe, you barely notice the auto tune. <laughs> right, we, we've been oh, our, our, we our ears have been. So <laughs> we, we do, but but it's it, it doesn't seem as Mike much does. of Mike. Mike yeah, Mike does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't seem like as much as a punch in the face. Or I have another idea. Uh, <laughs> Aaron's ears are just getting more and more old and dense as well. Too much dense. No, but I, yeah, no, I know what Aaron's trying to say. It's it's much more mild now, for sure. Oh yeah, I agree with that. His ears are getting more old. Just right. Hey, I always say it's not the years; it's the mileage. That that's what ends up doing the end. That's the mileage. It really is. But uh, so, I mean, so you guys spend, I mean, a ton of time, you're either out playing shows or you're in the studio, you know, working on new music. How do you mm -hmm. each find a work-life balance without getting burnt out? I mean, it is a grind in the industry. We all know that. How do you find your balance? I mean, we used to, um, we used to be like, it was really regimented. We we would be in the studio practice every day. Like, I think we've we've loosened up a bit in our later years, and we we come to the studio to like it's like our safe haven where we can write. And always coming back home to to our studio here. Like, I mean, we it feels like back in the time when we first came here to write you you get that comfortability that you don't have anywhere else where we can write but i mean it's just a balance of um when we were younger we were much more uh uh like 
serious about like you have to we have to practice every day well, it was also because we we're getting to a point where we could we were trying to get to a level of like like expert success level, yeah success uh, like, with quality and stuff so now i mean it's easier to to play and write and all that um than it used to be um and we can take time not to not to be in the studio every day, but I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough balance. I also think with experience that came too, because there were times where we were, we were playing every single night and we would come home and we would, our bodies would just crash. And we, we would, I remember one time we were on the way back from New York and Ryan and I crashed on the way home. And we were so sick just from pure exhaustion. And we were in bed for like four days. And so you so I got a I got a break from four days. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of learn from your experience a little bit. Uh, that you have to you have to kind of take it easy sometimes and balance and have have a little downtime. Yeah. You do. You you have to have that place where you can just step back and relax. You know, revitalize yeah. yourself and then come back even harder. Yeah, yeah, fresh. You get wiser as you get older, I guess. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, right? We all, we all hope that. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> where, so where do you guys draw inspiration from now? I mean, well, what, you know, individually, what inspires you? Or where do you go to find inspiration? I mean, it's, Too it's deep? funny, yeah. Yeah, I think you could pull inspiration out of everything. Everything, yeah. Even the small things. I mean, you go for a walk in the forest and that's a nice tree and there's you're inspired. Yeah, or I think whatever. Like or the, the stuff that uh, like I mean if, if you want to get a little like heavier then you know, know. watch it. <laughs> just watch the news and there's I mean there's tons of stuff yeah, I mean, to talk about in a song when you watch the news it could be watching tv it could be taking a walk it could be yeah. traveling or anything yeah. like that it's like yeah, it's anybody think, it just comes it, from everywhere i think yeah it does it does you, you, should, you know some people like to go to the beach or go to the woods like you said and just clear their head and then mm-hmm. draw that but that, that's kind of cool you know you can just look around just find little things that inspire you you know everywhere you are I like yeah. sitting in a corner staring at a wall. That is like <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> I think also, like I said before, like being in our studio here, it has a bit of an inspiration for us when we're together in the room. We always kind of write together. So when we're together in the room and you're you're just present and you're just open to to seeing what happens that day when you're working on something or just playing around. I mean, that it just, it just kind of being in this room inspires us too. So, so I take it that Ryan spent a lot of time in a timeout. What would you say your message to the world is, you know, as a band, what, what, are, you, what, what are you trying to tell the world? I mean, do you want you, we just try to use, you try to use like, uh, we're, we're, uh, 
we recognize our privilege. So we're just trying to use our platform to make people aware, like for the walls of just different issues around the world and stuff like that. It seems like it should be our duty to use our platform to, I mean, by all means, we're not changing the world, but we're just bringing attention to certain subjects, maybe in that song, particularly. Um, but just to inspire people to, uh, to enjoy themselves in some of our other songs and, and I mean, just relate to maybe some of the things we relate to. I mean, that's what it's really all about. Just connecting with people through music and, and yeah, just doing our best to, to try to do that. The, the walls is a great, it's almost like an anthem. You know, it comes across as an anthem, you know, the message in that song and stuff. And I mean, is that where you want to go with that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was that was the intent from that song. I think the first day we started messing around with it, um, it was that was the intent with that song. I think we just we wrote it during the pandemic and and with that going on in the world, there's a lot of everything lot of stuff. else going a lot around like on in the world. Mm-hmm. There was just so much, and we felt we felt like we we're like locked up for so long we just wanted to break out and tear down the walls and and like and yeah so it was that was the intent right from the start with that song awesome yeah this, hey so so tell me um so you guys got what, what tour dates do you have coming up uh, new releases what else is going on uh well the album's gonna be coming out in august we don't have an official date yet for you but and then we have we're looking at some dates maybe in Europe uh, later in the summer. So, yeah, we'll keep it posted for sure. Just keep keep posted to our website, brothersofficialmusic.com, and our our social media. We'll always be updating updating that for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, so what, what are your social media links? Well, you, guys, you guys are on the Instagram, on Facebook? Yeah, it's at, at Brothers Official Music. Um, and yeah, same website is, is also, uh, brothersofficialmusic.com. Awesome. Awesome. So hopefully you guys will be doing some, uh, tour, tour dates in the America, right? Maybe East coast. Yeah, we plan to, yeah. Europe is usually our first stop, but we'll yeah. definitely, uh, we love playing in the U S for sure. All right. Awesome. Hey, this has been a great interview. Thank you guys so much. Anything else you guys want to talk about or, or let the fans know or get out to the music community? I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was nice <laughs> yeah. talking with you. Yeah. Where are you located? East Coast, you said. Which part? I live in the state of Rhode Island. So I'm about an oh, hour right. south of Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah, we've been through Rhode Island many times. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. yeah I live right on the water, so can't complain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> well, it's great talking to you, Mike. Hey, you, you as well. You guys are awesome. I, I wish you all the best. Th- thank you so much for today. And uh, yeah, we're going to put this out and get everyone to check out the new album. And I uh, will put all your social media links. And I wish you guys much success. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thanks for having and, us. Yeah, and hopefully when you come to the East Coast, I'll be able to, to come in and see you and meet you. Yeah, sure. Sure. We'll let you know. It sounds good. Awesome. Take care, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. The brothers, check out the walls. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. Peace.